Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 1045 The Zone. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. Tennessee big win last night. Coming up next couple of segments, my buddy Trey Wallace from down in Knoxville, host of It's Optional, does a great job covering the Southeastern Conference, has been on the Tennessee beat now for about half a year, specifically in addition to his conference work. He will join me. We will talk a lot of college basketball, not just SEC hoops. I want to ask him about Zion Williamson and Duke, as well as some other things happening around the country as well. But the Vols with a big win last night against a pretty good team in Mississippi State. They're not ranked, but they were a 21-win basketball team. And early, and I mean very early, it looked like Mississippi State might be on the verge of a decent offensive night, and then they went on to shoot 33%. Dreadful. Only 4 for 16 from deep. Just couldn't hit anything, and I think that Tennessee's defense had a lot to do with it. Tennessee played well. Once they got up substantially, they pretty much just took the ball and ran home with it. They made this thing almost a laugher at the end. It was easy to just fast-forward through the last 10 minutes of this if you didn't see it live. I didn't as I was out screening Captain Marvel. That review will be up tomorrow at the Big Six blog at 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog where I do my pop culture stuff. But this was just one of those nights. And Admiral Schofield was emotional before the game, and then he played great when it got down to business. Kyle Alexander really showed up, played a game that he needed to play. Fulkerson was a little bit better, certainly, than he was on Saturday. I, I was not a fan of his game at all against Kentucky. But Tennessee's starting to peak again at the right time. So it's really a three-team race. And tonight, LSU plays Florida. If LSU were to lose, that's real good news for Tennessee, sharing the SEC uh, conference crown. And... Everything just kind of turns into in terms of the seating. Now, Auburn will have something to say this weekend when Tennessee has to finish up the regular season on the road, but that's a win they should get. Auburn, unless they get really hot from distance, it's just not as good a team, I think, as some people might have thought coming into the season, especially with the way Bruce Pearl and his young men played last year. But Tennessee's really in a good position overall as we look towards next week here in Music City in an SEC tournament that should be fascinating because outside of those top three, there are some teams that scare you, I think. And I'm going to ask Trey about that in the next segment, who he thinks outside of the top three could really throw a wrench into the plans. Aaron Torres of Fox, who covers college basketball nationally, said that he believes that Tennessee's a number one seed should they win out. That means they would be 31-3. and three. They probably have to go through both LSU and Kentucky, which means wins over both of those two schools on the way in, and that that would assure them of a number one seed 
in the NCAA tournament. Kentucky wins the NCAA or in, wins the SEC tournament, they probably get a number one. I don't know that LSU could. Maybe the performance against Alabama, and there've been a, a couple of other times. And tonight is really intriguing because Florida is a team that, if they shoot it well, and we saw that in the first half in the first meeting against Tennessee when they were just shooting unconsciously from distance. I mean, at one point. A couple of nights ago, Virginia was 18 of 24 from three against Syracuse. That's absurd. You can get hot against three and beat almost anybody or or hot from three and beat just about anybody in the country on the right night. So if Florida is shooting hot tonight on their senior night in front of their crowd, that could be a big deal. And that could be very, very difficult for LSU. I don't know how great LSU is, honestly. I think they're a good basketball team. I would stop short of saying they're a great basketball team. They are certainly capable of beating anybody on a given night. No question about that. And they've done that to Tennessee. They did that a couple of Saturday afternoons ago. But it's a team that they're they're going to be on the two line even if they win the SEC tournament, I would suggest. But they barely escaped Alabama 74-69. to They lost to Houston. That's nothing wrong with that. Houston's in the top 25 and at times was even you know, a top five team or not a top five team, but a top 15 team. And then you look at, they lost to Arkansas by one. Arkansas is not particularly good. And guess what? This Florida team is playing them tonight, beat them by five in LSU, in Baton Rouge. That honestly probably means, well, it probably means you're not going to beat LSU twice, but we'll all be watching that game with bated breath tonight. They beat Alabama, like I said, by five, but it was not an inspiring performance at all. And Georgia's terrible, and they beat them by four after or the game before they lost to Florida. They beat Kentucky on that kind of crazy call that should have gone the other way. They beat them by two, 73 to 71. Then they only beat Georgia by four. Now, the Georgia team is dreadfully bad, and LSU only led that game by four at the half and then just held on and tied. They both went 42-42 in the second, and it was an 83-79 game. Not particularly impressive there. And you can find blemishes on just about anybody's resume, but that's a that's a performance that you look at and say, yeah, that's not a number one team. That might even be a number two seed. Could be a number three seed. But we'll see what they're able to do tonight against Florida and then how they look next week. And then you start to look around and say, okay, who's playing the best between these three teams right now? Well, Tennessee just beat Kentucky down at home, but Kentucky beat them down at home two weeks before that. If it were me slotting this, and I'm going to ask Trey for his rankings as well, I would probably go Tennessee 1, Kentucky 2, LSU 3. I feel like Tennessee, with this leadership and the way that they're starting to play physically again, they're shooting the basketball better. Schofield, who had that kind of midseason slump for a little while, but it was still being picked up by his teammates, he's all of a sudden starting to shoot it better. There's better defense being played, especially on the interior. Fulkerson is actually really contributing and keeping Eve's pawns on the bench. So we're seeing... We're seeing a lot of things that you actually, I think, want to see right now from Rick Barnes' club. They've got to continue to shoot the basketball well, but that's going to be true for anybody, or they're going to go home. If you can't score, you're not going to get very far unless you're a Wisconsin or a Virginia team that can play such stifling defense that you can afford to win games in the 50s. Or if you're Wisconsin, win the game in the high 30s and low 40s because for some reason, that's a thing. But Tennessee, 
is starting to play the kind of basketball you want to see a team starting to play as you get into March. The game against Auburn is one that they just need to impose their will and make it easy on themselves and just get out of there with as, with as confident a win as you can get. They should be riding high again. It was a, it was a good win against Ole Miss. Not impressive, but a good win. Very impressive against Kentucky. Super impressive last night against the 21-team Mississippi State team. Just kind of running away from them in the second half. Making that thing almost a laugher. Winning that thing 71-54. to Could have been worse. And the home crowd has given them a boost, certainly, in those two ball games. So they'll go on the road, and then they'll come to Nashville. And there's going to be a whole lot of Tennessee orange here in the Music City. Just like there's going to be a whole lot of Kentucky blue. And then you've got to just look at some of the other teams in some of these exhibition tournaments and say, okay, who's going to throw a wrench into the plans? Is Kermit Davis, is it going to be South Carolina? Is there another team that you look at and think, okay, this could keep us from getting the matchups that we're looking for as we're getting to these tournaments? There's, it's interesting because the SEC and the ACC are similar in that you've got Tennessee, you've got Kentucky, you've got LSU, certainly at the top of the conference. Then the ACC, you've got Virginia, North Carolina, and Duke, certainly at the top of the conference. You could make an argument for any of the three of them in either case. problem for Duke is if Zion, I, I don't know, Coach K says Zion Williamson is going to be ready for the ACC tournament. The question that I have is, does Duke need Zion to play in order for the selection committee to give them a number one seed? Or if they think, oh, it's just R.J. Barrett and it's Cam Reddish and it's this team minus Zion Williamson that's averaging about 10 less points a game and nearly lost to Wake Forest last night, that team's not a number one without him on the floor. That is a fascinating thing to keep in mind as we start to move towards March. When we come back, Trey Wallace will talk a lot, go in-depth on Tennessee, in-depth on the SEC as a whole, as we love to do here on the Big Six, not just staying involved country. We'll go all the, all around the SEC and try to figure out how this thing is going to play out as the regular season comes to a close this weekend and we move towards the conference tournaments. It's always a great conversation. It's up next. Big Six rolls along. Trey Wallace joins me here on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone, brought to you by our good friends over at Renters Warehouse. Still really cool to have them on board with us right now. Renters Warehouse, dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Right now, it's a little bit happier down in Knoxville, so we welcome in our good friend Trey Wallace from It's Optional down in Knoxville on the Fox Affiliate down there. Trey, what is up, my friend? Man, just uh, just getting through a, a late night last night. Got out of the arena about you know twelve thirty this morning, and uh, rolling along today. Getting ready to start spring practice for football tomorrow, and Tennessee's trying to win an SEC championship in basketball. So an everyday thing, bud. All right, so I was down there on Saturday. That's the first game I've ever seen in person. The basketball team certainly in person in that building, and it was a good day to go there. Uh, that was yeah. quite an atmosphere. It was quite a performance. It was the total opposite of what we saw in Lexington when you had me on your show. Uh, it may have been last week. I don't know. Time is now all a flat yep, circle for me. I have no idea whether I'm coming or going at this stage. But, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just kind of the way it is. But I told you they needed to get back to playing more physically, that they weren't going to win being finesse, that they were going to have to bully this team because that's what happened to them in Lexington. And, look, let them call all the fouls that they want to call. And believe me, the officials were ready to call those fouls. Uh, on Saturday, especially early, some right. really bad calls. But 
Kentucky couldn't answer. Like when they took the haymaker and the uppercut, they were done, especially without Travis out there. I don't think he would have made that much of a difference. He would have changed things. But the way Tennessee was playing, the way that they were shooting the ball, and just the intensity level that they had, that is the performance that they needed. Even the win at Ole Miss, I was still kind of, I still need to see a little bit more of what I saw a couple of months ago. And then it all seemed to coalesce on Saturday in front of that home crowd. Well, the, the biggest thing, and like you said, you talked about it, and we kind of you know went back and forth on this thing, is that Tennessee had to go back and play like they were in December and January, where they didn't have a care in the world of what the referees were going to call. We're going to go out here. We're going to play our defensive game plan. We're going to roll it out. We're going to play tough in the paint. You know, Cal Alexander is going to get four or five blocks, and, you know, he's going to get nine to ten rebounds, and, and, you know, he might not put up a lot of points, but they're going to get physical. Well, the problem is, is that a lot of SEC coaches started sending film in on Tennessee, and I think the referees started getting a little happy with the calls when it comes to the way Tennessee was trying to perform on defense, and that's where you saw uh, that, you know, Kyle Alexander got very timid with his game over the last three weeks. And, and, and I go back to a comment that was, was made by Admiral Schofield last night after the win over Mississippi State in a sense of we were, he said we were humbled at Kentucky and we had to get back to that defensive performance that we knew that we could put up. And, and I think that goes to show you the way they played it in Oxford against Ole Miss. That was a good win. You know, that's in the 70s. You know, that's the type of game you have to grind out at the end on the road. And then they come home, and, you know, it was just a start from the beginning where it's just Tennessee came out, and they were ready to go. They held the, you know, they held the momentum uh, for, for most of the first half. They go to the, the halftime up to double digits, and it was over with once they came out in that second half because they just came out guns of fire. And, and, and you look at the way this defense has performed, and, you know, I, I even take a look back to even last night. Ten rebounds for Kyle Alexander. He had a good game against Kentucky as well. You're starting to see these guys get gritty in the paint again. And if you're a Tennessee fan, you have to love it because they have so many offensive weapons that they should be able to take care of business when it comes to scoring. They just had to figure out how to get back to their old Tennessee ways. Yeah, and we saw that. And Jordan Bone on Saturday, I mean... Oh, that I, that was I didn't realize he had that good of handles. That's what I told some of the people that were around me there on Saturday. Say I wasn't sure that he was that good a ball handler. Maybe just watching him in person, it doesn't translate. Maybe exactly the same way on TV. But he took Kentucky off the dribble, and that made me really start to look at this team differently. And then last night against Mississippi State, that's a pretty good basketball team. They're not a ranked team, but it that is. was a twenty-one team win. It's well coached. They have versatility on the inside. They're a decent rebounding team. They can shoot it, and they shot it pretty well early in the game. And Tennessee just finally just said, no, we're better than you, and just punked them and put them down easily in the second half. I was very impressed with you don't want the letdown after Kentucky. You don't want the close game after Kentucky either. And once Tennessee took control of that game, it was over. Like It was easy to just fast-forward through that second half because I couldn't watch it live because, well, the score just got more and more out of control in the direction that Vols fans would have wanted. Well, well, what surprised me a good amount last night to start the game was how Admiral came out. I mean, he was a wreck to start the game. Senior night, you know, ceremony, all that good mm-hmm. stuff. and you know, They were you know, honoring all four of them, but, but you could tell he was very emotional. And, and, but he came out in that game and he was, he was hitting shots. And I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be that type of night for him. And I think it just it boiled over. You know, 
what happened last night's game with Mississippi State is where Grant Williams got that second foul. Okay, so immediately when Grant Williams gets that second foul, he has to come out. What does Mississippi State do? They go on a 10-2 run. And they were able to get into the paint. Mississippi State is a good ball club. And I think this is a team that, that could, could make some headway when it comes to the SEC tournament. But you could tell what they were trying to do. And once that second half started and Grant Williams is back in that rotation, all of a sudden, bam, it's a 15-point game You know, within the first three and a half minutes of the second half. And you're like, oh, okay, this is what Tennessee's going to do. And that's exactly what they did is that they were able to, to, to mask the gas pedal in the second half. And, and I think they understood that they had the, the depth uh, to beat them last night. You're getting minutes from Jalen Johnson. You're getting good minutes from from uh, Fulkerson. You know, you didn't. You saw Eve's Ponds play two minutes last night. Mm-hmm. I think the reason that happened is because Fulkerson took his minutes. And the way that he's been playing defensively, you can't take him out of a game if he's up there blocking shots and he's all over the offensive boards as well. And and if they can get you know four offensive rebounds or four defensive rebounds from him a game and draw a couple you know fouls on on the opposing team, then that's what you have to do. I, I just looked at last night as where, you know, Grant took over. You know, he had a double-double. You had Admiral in double digits. You had Bowden in double-digit points last night, which is something Tennessee desperately needed. And, and I'm, you know, I'd be scared if I was opposing teams. If Lamonte Turner and, and Jordan Bowden can get out of this little scoring slump that they're on right now, then, then Tennessee's a team that's going to go very deep in the NCAA tournament and, and have a good shot at winning the SEC tournament because when you there's been times this year, Jason, where Tennessee's had four or five guys in double digits. And when that problem arises for other teams, it's very hard to beat Tennessee, especially if they're clamping down on defense. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Trey Wallace, our guest here on the Big Six tonight here on 104.5 The Zone. Mississippi State shot it pretty well early, and I mean very early, and then they shot it really poorly, and I think Tennessee's defense had a lot to do with that 19-57 of from the field for Mississippi yeah. State last night, 25% from three on four of 16 shooting, and they only shot 54% from the free throw line. You're not going to win a whole lot doing that, especially when the opponent goes 13 of 17. And, I mean, I mean things can change in a flash there. Right. So let's look at the SEC as a whole right now. You've got the three teams up at the top, and then you've got some other squads out there. And I want to talk about Duke here in a second as well. But when you look at Tennessee, LSU, and uh, Kentucky, which team do you like the best right now? If, you, if there's a way to take off the goggles, the orange-colored goggles, and just kind of look at all three of these teams as objectively as humanly possible, LSU plays Florida later on tonight. That's going to determine an awful lot, certainly. And then Tennessee's got Auburn. That should be a win. You never know until you actually go do it, but it should be a victory. It should be right. 28 wins for Tennessee going into the SEC tournament. All three of these teams, I think, have strengths and they have weaknesses. How would you slot them one, two, three right now? I mean, uh, look, you know me, and I've covered the SEC for a long time, and you know, I've been here on the Knoxville beat for five and a half months, but I just love me some SEC basketball. And, and, and look, if, if you if you ask me this question sitting in Nashville tonight, I'd probably give you the same answer. The way I, I would put Tennessee one, I'd put Kentucky two with Reed, and mm-hmm. then I would put LSU three. Mm-hmm. I, I think Kentucky – I mean, I think, look, I think Tennessee with Jordan Bone, uh, and you have Lamonte Turner that can run the point if need be, Bowden coming in, uh, the depth that they have where they can get double digits from Grant and Admiral – and you throw in another player, you know, I look at Kentucky, and look, they have a lot of talent, and that's a team that can make a run in March Madness as well. I think the big factor, 
you got to have Reed in there. B.J. Washington can't do it all by himself in the paint. Uh, I, I look at LSU, and they are a good team on paper. But also I've seen performances like the one they had you know, against Alabama recently, this past weekend. Um, I, I go back and look at the performance they had against Florida down in Baton Rouge that they got beat. There are just times where if LSU's not playing up to par, and you know what Will Wade's going to try to do. He's going to try to run you up and down the court. He's going to be physical with you in the paint. He's going to try to draw a bunch of fouls and, and, and make them go to the line and try to win the, the ball game. But LSU's big on the inside as well. But right now, I mean, I, I would probably put it Tennessee 1, Kentucky 2, you know, LSU 3. But, look, Kentucky and Tennessee are right up there with each other. I think the advantage that Tennessee has is having guys like Admiral and Grant uh, that have that have been around for long enough that can handle the pressure uh, because that game on Saturday that was the type of game in the past when they played Kentucky that a younger team would have lost and even last night a nine o'clock tip off all the emotions thrown into it a Tennessee team from last year they could have dropped that game against Mississippi State but they handled business in, in just the same way as Kentucky goes on the road and handles business I know it was close. And Oxford, you know, they come off a bad win against Tennessee. They go beat Ole Miss. So it's going to be very interesting to me. And, you know, you hit on it with the Auburn thing this weekend. Look, Auburn's going to try to beat you one way if they don't have Wiley in the game. And that's behind the three-point arc. Mm -hmm. And if they're not knocking them down, you're going to have a problem. You're not going to be able to beat Tennessee on Saturday only scoring 65 points like they did against Alabama last night. That's not going to work. Tennessee's going to get over, you know, 65 points. And I think that's Jim trying to dominate the paint. But it's crazy to think that we're sitting here with technically Tennessee's got one, Kentucky's got one, LSU's got two. But if Florida beats LSU tonight, Tennessee will be co-SEC champs. And then if they win on Saturday at Auburn, uh, they will be the SEC regular season champion. So, it, it's going to be interesting, Jason, because it's all about seeding as well in that uh, on that Friday of next week in Nashville. So I'm interested. It's going to be a crazy night. Florida's done it once; they could do it again. Yeah. Do you think they? Can, what chance do you give Florida being able to get this job done again tonight? I mean, I, I don't know. They're a one point favorite right now, but then I saw they're a pick them on another. Look, if they had, a, they had a horrible performance against Georgia this past weekend, but if Florida comes out and you know they're able to to hit their perimeter shots and and try to get LSU into foul trouble. It's going to be senior night in Gainesville. I don't know. You throw everything in together. You know, I was talking about it on my show today. It kind of reminds me of that time where uh, Tennessee needed LSU to beat Florida to go to the SEC championship a couple of years ago, and Florida stops them, you know, three times in a row for the one-yard line. It's like one of those things where, you know, if you're Tennessee, you got to root for somebody else to get yourself a championship. I, I personally think Florida can get it done. I'm picking LSU. But I think Florida could win tonight, and if that's the case, uh, there'll be another co-SEC championship in Knoxville. And if not, if LSU wins, uh, and both of them take care of business on Saturday, because I see no way in the world that Vanderbilt is, is going to win potentially their first game against LSU, uh, we'll have co-champions in the SEC one more time. I'm going to keep Trey on. We will come back and talk a little bit more college basketball. Duke, Zion, should he play? And if he doesn't, what does that mean for Duke in the NCAA tournament? Plus more in the SEC as well. Stick with us. Big Six rolling right along here on a Wednesday on 104.5 The Zone.
Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day to you. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. We're talking college basketball mainly with uh, my good friend down in Knoxville, Trey Wallace, host of It's Optional down there. He's on Twitter at Wallace underscore. Follow him there. We talked a lot of SEC there in that first segment, but let's talk a little bit of ACC. R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Zion Williamson, three guys in one school that are top five picks according to virtually every mock draft. Pretty much Murray State's John Morant is the only guy that gets kind of between those at one, two, and four or somewhere in that neighborhood. But now Zion's out, and Duke almost loses to Wake Forest last night, Randolph Childress' son, which, man, that ages me because I watched Randolph Childress in college in person while I lived in Winston-Salem when he was at Wake Forest. Oh, wow. And now I'm watching his son play basketball and watching Danny Manning. I, it's, it's stunning to me. <laughs> I, 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 just, I don't even want to think about it, honestly. But Duke without Zion Williamson, a couple of questions. One, should Zion play again this season with everything that's coming for him in the future? And two, if he doesn't come back, they're averaging like nine less points a game. They're a bad shooting team. This, that's the kind of secret about this Duke team is they're incredibly streaky. They remind you of that John Wall, Boogie Cousins, Kentucky team that showed up yep. one time against Wisconsin, couldn't shoot it, and was knocked out of the tournament. This Duke team could be a team that doesn't get out of the first weekend if they don't have Zion Williamson. Agree or disagree? I'll start with the second question first because that's kind of been on my mind today. I, Duke does not have a spark without Zion. There's nobody on that court to me, and, and, I, and I've watched them a lot without Zion the last, you know, what's it been? It's been two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I've watched all their games. They just do not have somebody that gives them that energy that Zion does, and it's starting to show. I mean, look. If Zion, I hate, I hate always saying this. If Zion was playing, if Zion was playing, but if Duke was at full strength last night and they had somebody like Zion on the court, they don't want that game by fifteen to twenty. At least, yes. The way Wake Forest plays, but the problem is, and it's not even about just the point scoring that Zion brings. It's what he brings, you know, blocking shots in the paint and in his rebounding, and and also just that energy factor. Duke just looks dead to me without Zion. And that's weird to say because they do have two lottery picks on the, on the floor right now without Zion. So it's crazy to even think that, but it, it goes to show you everything that they do to feed through Zion that, that runs their offense. And without him, you're getting performances like the one that you've seen. And, and I, you know, they beat Syracuse. Okay, that's fine. You know, but they lost to Vitek. And then let's be real honest, last night, if it goes one inch to the right, they've lost to Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. So it, it's getting to a point now where if he's not available and if he doesn't want to take that risk, I don't blame him first off, but Duke would be a team that, that yeah, definitely, you know, if they end up a one or two seed, which they got, I would think they're going to be a two seed because I think they're going to drop a game to North Carolina this weekend. Right. You know, then it, you have to look out in the NCAA tournament. I, I, the whole Zion thing, that's his career. That's his millions and millions of dollars. I'm sure he's got agents galore. I'm sure he's got Rich Paul telling him, hey, you know what, don't play anymore. One little slip out there, you tear an ACL or meniscus, and your stock goes down. So, I, you know what, if he loves college basketball, if he loves his teammates, go out there and play. Uh, if he's looking out for his career, you know what, I can't blame the 18-year-old because I'm not in that spot, and I would probably choose millions of dollars over potentially getting knocked out in the NCAA tournament, maybe in the second or third round. 
Interesting question. If you're on the tournament selection committee, does Duke need Zion Williamson on that roster actively for you to put them on the one line, regardless of what they were able to do in the ACC tournament? Just knowing, like, Zion playing in maybe the ACC title game or you know he's going to play in the NCAA tournament, would that have an effect on you? And that's something that's been discussed over the past few days is if Zion doesn't come back, the tournament selection committee may penalize Duke because they know what that team could be and should be with him, and they aren't sure what that team's going to look like without him. Here's the problem, though, to me. Duke is so talented with the players they have on their roster right now without Zion on the court that they should be a top-five team in the country. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the crazy part about it. It's like, without if Zion never signed with Duke, if he did not even lace it up this year, this Duke squad has enough talent to be a top-five team in the country. So when you really start breaking it down and, okay, we're getting to the NCAA tournament, should we make them a one? You know, how's it going to play on the ACC tournament? I think to myself, look at the basketball team that's on the court right now and look at the talent that's out there. That They have more lottery picks on that court, on their bench, than some schools have, you know, in the last four or five years of their rosters. So to me, it's, it, to me, it's like a, a situation where, okay, if Zion comes back, Yes, they're a national championship contender. I would put them in the top three teams to potentially win a national championship. But as of right now, you know, I don't like the whole, okay, well, we're going to have to judge this team based on if we think somebody's coming out. Yeah, There's a team on the court right now that's playing. Judge the team on the court. If that team is good enough with Zion, then wherever you put them in the NCAA tournament, they should be a Final Four team. Duke, Carolina, Virginia. We talked about Tennessee, LSU, Kentucky, and the SEC. You got three studs in the ACC. I, you know, we the Zion factor will play into it. But which team do you like in the ACC going into the NCAA tournament? I mean, the ACC tournament's going to be a lot of fun, just like the SEC tournament. Big Ten's going to be an absolute blast this year too. But in general, those are exhibitions. I mean, they're going to help out with seedings, I suppose, right. in the NCAA tournament. But when you get to the big dance, Virginia lost to a 16 last year. And I'm trying to fight everything in me to think that Virginia can actually win the national title this year. Can you imagine going from a loss, the first ever number one, to lose to a 16 to win a national championship? And I think that they're absolutely capable of doing that. I think with their defense that they are. I think the way they play and the way that they slow down the game – and the way they can keep games in the 50s and 60s and clamp down when it comes to the post, uh, and especially the way they run their defense guarding out the perimeter, I think this team, I think Virginia is good enough to win a national championship. And it's crazy to think, you know, uh, three weeks from now, the last year, we were talking about them getting beat by UMBC. Now we're talking about them again. Okay, can they go win this national title? I think Bennett's done a great job uh, at Virginia. I think he's got a, I think he's got a roster. Uh, that's, that's loaded with talent, but also, you know what, they bought in to the way that he wants them to keep the game flowing, and especially on the defense. Look how much time that these teams, that, that Virginia runs off the clock, and then they get into their formation and run their, their offense. You know, they're, they're hammering it down to the 10 second mark on the, on the shot clock. So I, I like Virginia. Uh, North Carolina Duke, you know, I think they're both just as talented. Uh, I would give the slight edge to Duke if they had Zion. Mm -hmm. But right now, I, I think this is a matchup that, that North Carolina wins on Saturday. I can't wait. I'm a college basketball purist. I, I love these these big-time rivalry games. We'll get the second one with Michigan and Michigan State later that night. That's going to um, be a blast, too. 
I know. It's going to be fun. I just – look, the ACC is always good, man. And, and when you've got a team like Virginia, they know how to play. They bought into Tony's system. I, I, I think that there won't be a problem this year compared to last year of them overlooking anybody. And actually, I think that's to their advantage this year. Final question. Outside of the top three in the SEC, what teams do you look at a little bit lower in terms of seeding going into the SEC tournament and think, that team right there could cause some serious problems for some of the favorites and could keep us from getting that Tennessee-Kentucky round three or a Tennessee-LSU or an LSU-Kentucky? I think it's I think it's Ole Miss. Um, I, I think Frank Martin in South Carolina. They've got themselves a squad. Uh, Silva's been there what thirty two years now. Uh, he's built himself up a defense, and they look. South Carolina is a tournament team. We saw that when they went to the Final Four years ago. <laughs> right, you know, right. They all come together and they play that Frank Martin style of defense, and you know they're gritty. And you know they had a good performance against Texas A and M last night. I think to me it's South Carolina or Ole Miss. If if they can catch one of these teams uh, on a Thursday, then advance to Friday and play the top four, I think they could. Depending on the matchups and who would play out, but you know a, a South Carolina versus LSU type game, I, I might choose South Carolina in that game. Um, it, it's very interesting to me to see how that's going to play out. I look at those two teams. Mississippi State is also a team. I know they had a. a uh, not a good performance last night shooting the ball against Tennessee. But once we get in tournament time, they do have the weapons uh, to to pull off an upset. The problem, like look like with Auburn, is that, man, we've seen Wilder just be in and out, Austin, all year. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know uh, if they're going to go far without him. And also, too, if they're not hot behind the three-point line, they're not winning a ball game because they're jacking up 28 to 33 pointers a game. So, I, I would look at those. I don't know how much Auburn can do. We'll see. You know, they'll come out Saturday against Tennessee and try to upset them to close out the year. But, you know, you never know, Jason. Bruce Pearl teams in SEC tournaments seem to get a little wacky, so nothing would surprise me. In our final 30 seconds, 0-16 yeah. Vanderbilt has oh, lost 17 in a row. What exactly do you have to say? about that like I, I haven't covered it because I, I don't really know what there is to say there's nothing i can say to make this feel better for vanderbilt fans no and i feel bad for vanderbilt fans i was looking forward to this year i was looking forward to watching darius garland play i really was they were a team that i had my eye on with Saban lee and naismith and uh chateau and garland um I, I think you have to throw out the excuse of garland now he's been gone for what three months now yeah. so you you have to get rid of that one now it just comes down to who wants to play for, for Bryce Drew, is this team getting up? Uh, are they motivated enough to win uh, these close ones? Uh, I just look, they've got some talent, and that's the thing. They do have some talent. I think we're going to be talking about Saban Lee and Naismith for years to come when it comes to the point guard position. Uh, I think they're just good enough uh, to draw some headlines. But right now, uh, what's going on West End is an ugly look. It shouldn't have happened. They should at least have three or four wins right now in the SEC. I think it comes down to bad coaching from Bryce Drew. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm saying in the circumstances and the situations that they were in this year, in certain close games towards the end of regulation, they just faltered and their team just kind of, I guess you could say, gave up on them. I, I don't know. They've got some Malcolm Turner, the new AD's got some work to do over there. Uh, you know, just because, A, just because, you know, Vanderbilt women, 
beat Tennessee. That's not deserving of any kind of contract extension for Melanie Balkum. And just because Bryce Drew maybe potentially wins a game this week, uh, that should not mean either of them shouldn't be on the hot seat because uh, they have both done bad jobs this year. I feel bad for Vanderbilt fans because they definitely deserve more from the men's side. But, hey, at least Tim Corbin, right? Oh, my God. The baseball, they're on lock, man. Corbs is the man. Look, Vanderbilt fans, it doesn't matter anything else what goes on in the world. You have got Tim Corbin. He is the He's the best baseball coach that I've been around. He's amazing. Uh, and I've been doing this for a long time. He's such a nice man. Yeah, he is. And uh, hopefully for years to come, he continues doing great things. Troy, you're the best. Uh, we will catch up with you in a couple of weeks after you've looked at spring practice a bit and talked some football. Oh, and, and, and once we get to the NCAA tournament as well, you're at Trey Wallace underscore. Tell them uh, how they can listen to your show outside the market. Yeah, every day, man. It's optional. It's on 1 to 3 Eastern time, uh, 12 to 2 year time on Fox Sports Knoxville. Uh, you can find us on the app at WKGN, or you can just follow my Twitter feed at Trey Wallace underscore. And look forward to seeing you next week when I'm in town for the whole SEC tournament, buddy. We'll have to get together. Uh, yeah, we definitely got to do that, Trey. Always a pleasure to have you, my friend. Have a good day. Thank you, buddy. That is Trey Wallace. Great stuff. We'll be right back. Big six pro and con to finish us up today. Kyrie Irving for the second straight day gets a con because he can't stop talking. We'll be right back. Big six, 104.5 The Zone. Download the... segment tonight. Big six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Our thanks to Trey Wallace of It's Optional down in Knoxville. Does a great job. Used to work out of this building here in Nashville. Good friend of ours and does just a really great work, especially covering the SEC. So chatting with him about college basketball. Always a smart decision to bring on smart people that will make you smarter in the process. And speaking of college basketball, it is that time of year for the mayhem to begin. So we want you to sign up today to play 104.5 The Zone's Bracket Madness for your chance at 500 bucks. Go to 104.5thezone.com. You want to click on the contest tab there to register to play today. The registration deadline, Thursday, March the 21st at 11 a.m. You know what day that's going to be. So you want to sign up now, create your bracket today for official rules and details Go to 1045thezone.com slash zone bracket madness. All right, time for some pro and con. The con already kind of gave it away in the last segment, but we're going to talk about another NBA story that I think is really cool, and I really enjoyed this earlier this week, and it's from Dwayne Wade, who has long been one of my favorite players in the league. Have you ever heard of the name Kevin Huerter? Kevin Huerter is a rookie for the Atlanta Hawks who played at Maryland shooting guard and his idol happened to be Dwayne Wade and this is Dwayne Wade's last season in the NBA and he's kind of doing sort of a victory tour but not like the Derek Jeter deal it's just everybody is honoring Dwayne Wade when he comes in place he's getting standing ovations all across the league just has a tremendous amount of respect I'm not going to say he's Larry Fitzgerald in the NBA but he's kind of close like he's been one of the elder statesmen that seemingly has done it right his entire career. He's won championships. He won one before LeBron joined him. He won one with Shaquille O'Neal in Miami over the Dallas Mavericks. Played just an outstanding playoffs, especially in the NBA Finals. So Dwayne Wade, 
as he's going out now is doing these jersey swaps. And this is something that's kind of taken back off. It came from soccer, I believe. They've been doing it for a long time. But you see it in the NFL now sometimes. Guys that have mutual respect for each other, they trade jerseys after games as if they're kind of like souvenirs. Well, Atlanta's Kevin Werther is a rookie that idolized Dwayne Wade. And Dwayne Wade found out about this and... After the Hawks played the Heat, Dwayne Wade did what a Dwayne Wade person would do. He did a jersey swap with Kevin Werder. He's done this with Vince Carter. He's done this with other guys that are much more known. But Kevin Werder, he figured out that he loved Dwayne Wade. And Dwayne Wade made sure that this was special for him. He said, earlier in the year, a good friend of mine told me about him when he was younger, that he used to wear my shoes. He wore number three because of me. He looked up to me. So I knew I was going to surprise him after the last time we played the Hawks. I really like his game. He's someone that ever since preseason, when we played them all the way up till now, he's gotten so much better. So from one number three to another, Wade added with a smile, I thought I'd switch jerseys with him. And Werder said he's always done it the right way. You never hear him with off-court type of stuff. He brought championships to this city. He's been with the Heat for the majority of his career. He's been loyal to them. And you could tell just how much this meant to this 20-year-old shooting guard who is just starting his NBA career. And this is super cool. And I would love to see more stories like this. But Dwayne Wade seems like a really good dude. And he's been a fantastic player. And he's just going to walk straight into the Hall of Fame as he should, one of the five best shooting guards ever in the NBA, probably. And that's a, I mean, that wing position can be extremely loaded up. Maybe you don't put him in the top five, but I think you've got to put him pretty close. If there was a top 50 redo now where you would take the top 50 of all time, which they did, they did that decade team like a long time ago. And now we've seen Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, James Harden, players like that uh emerged that would displace some of those guys Dwayne Wade would definitely displace somebody that was already in the top 50 he is definitely one of the top 50 players in the history of the NBA maybe one of the top 35 players in the history of the NBA but really cool story there I, I love seeing stuff like that yesterday my con was Kyrie Irving guess what today it is too Quote, I didn't really come into this game to be cameras in my face be famous be a celebrity whatever embodies that it's a little hard for me I wanted those things when I was younger, but now I just want to play basketball at a very high level, unquote. See, now at first, Kyrie, that sounds fine. It's kind of a Mike Trout kind of comment, right? He just wants to play baseball. He doesn't really want to be the face of the game. Rob Manfred, the commissioner, has said in the past he needs him to be. He has a responsibility to the game to be a public face. I think that's wrong. It would be great, but not everybody is built to want that glitz. Trout is an all-time great player statistically maybe the greatest all-around player in the history of baseball. I know what that entails, saying something like that, but I'm not backing off it. But for Kyrie Irving to say he doesn't want to be a celebrity or be famous, outside of the fact that a star NBA player of his caliber is going to be a celebrity, here is why every time this guy talks, I like him a little less. And I don't want this to be the case. Do you remember last summer? There was this thing that hit movie theaters. It was based on a series of commercials featuring an NBA player in disguise that balled out in random pickup games and looked like an old man. That guy was named Uncle Drew. It became a bit of a sensation, and the guy that was playing that role, the guy that then became the star of that movie, was an NBA player by the name of Kyrie Irving. So, commercials and a movie based on them 
And not just that, he's also going to be starring in a second movie. This one's going to be based on the Skirvin Hotel, the true story. He's also publicly said in the past year, I believe, that he wants to start his own TV network. So, Kyrie, what exactly are you talking about that you don't want to be a celebrity? I can't think of a worse way to be anonymous than to do what you're doing. Think about this, folks. Kyrie Irving didn't want cameras in his face. He literally wants to start his own TV network and has starred in a movie and is going to start a second one. Kyrie Irving didn't want to be famous or a celebrity, quote, whatever embodies that, unquote. Well, Kyrie, being recognizable and saying things publicly like the earth is flat, never being able to dodge a question, starring in commercials, starring in movies, that is what embodies being known. If you want to be anonymous, there are a lot of people listening to me right now, and there's me. We can all teach you how to be anonymous and how not to matter. Get off social media, live your life privately, keep your head down, turn down all movie roles, turn down all the endorsement deals, and say nothing in interviews except kind things about your teammates. Both teams played hard. Then you'll only be known for basketball, my friend. And until that time comes... Give me a break, Marie. I don't know if I can call him Marie, but I'm going to call him Marie. Give me a break. You've got the best handles in the NBA, but you might actually have the worst self-awareness. And considering this is a league that features Kevin Durant, that is really saying something. Kyrie, bro, you don't want to be a celebrity? Then don't do movies. Don't star in movies and try to start your own TV network and talk about how great you are every five seconds. I said we were going to have Jeff Schwartz on today. We're actually going to have him on tomorrow. A lot of NFL headlines, obviously, all over the place. We'll talk about all of them with him tomorrow night. Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless. See you tomorrow, and good night.